having cartoonish and distorted faces, clowns have a clean record of delighting children for over 1,200 years, clear back in the day of Vikings. Cholerophobia, or fear of clowns, is a common trope now. It's been widely sensationalized as little as 30 years ago. Stephen King's It may have had something to do with it. What people gloss over is that It is not only a clown. In fact, the monster in It is a shape-shifting entity that lures children by pretending to be a happy clown for its prey. Likewise, someone we think of as safe may not be. We pass them each day in our car, walking down the street, or serve them food as they drive through. If the theory of six degrees of separation are fully true, it means in your lifetime you have been close, if not next door, to a killer. I'm Tasha Wheelhouse, and this is Copper Shock. The story below happened to a personal friend of mine who gave me permission to retell it. I was working an 8-5 to five call center job at the time. Being in a call center doesn't exactly scream excitement. I suppose that's what egged me on to audition for a new haunted house being advertised next to the freeway. So what if I was a 22-year-old adult? I passed it every morning on my way to work, and on my way home at night. One morning, as I drove by, there was a large banner that read, Auditions, August 30th to September 12th. Excitedly, I found myself later that day pulling off the freeway toward the big sign. The auditions themselves were a bit of a joke. Looking back at the overall cast I worked with, I really don't think Cemetery Circus had a great screening process. Most of the Haunted House cast members were either middle-aged men who were just a step above carnies, or teenagers barely old enough to be holding a job. It was strange being the only person in my age group on the cast. During the audition, we toured most of Cemetery Circus in broad daylight. I remember feeling unimpressed. A lot of it was under construction for the coming Halloween season. And, let's face it, in the daytime, rubber knives painted with fake blood is not that scary. As you can guess from the title Cemetery Circus, it was heavily themed in all things circus. A large tent that looked like a traditional big top with white, red, and orange stripes it stood at the very center of the place. The costume truck had nothing but over-baggy clown garbs. They looked like work jumpers sewn to look funny and clown-like. I was later told that I was in, and was assigned to a chamber of the haunt that had very, very little to make anyone scream. It was a very slim hallway full of jars with formaldehyde pig fetuses, eyeballs, and other fake rubber Halloween things in jars of dyed water. There was one thing, and only one thing, that I could use to make people jump. A bookshelf from the floor to the ceiling of the room was hooked up to a ripcord, hidden behind a wall. When I tugged, it made the latch go loose and made the bookcase full of jars topple forward, as though it was going to crush the person going through the room. I then reset the bookcase by pushing it back upright until I feel the latch catch, setting it up for me to pull at the right time with the next group of people. Most people in this haunt went for the I'm unstable, get in your face and growl thing. To me, that's not scary at all. If I was going to participate for what basically ended up paying me $4.75 an hour, I was going to have fun with it. 
I was allowed to make my own costume and made a female professor out of some old business clothes I didn't care about. I practiced lines that I made it myself. Management gave us free reign to say whatever we wanted, so long as it was creepy. Some cast members would shout slanderous and racist things at people walking through. It eventually caught up to the cemetery circus in the lawsuit, but that's neither here nor there. Fact was, I am in a room all on my own. I rather preferred it, especially since cast members were trigger-happy, jumping at people without building suspense. I got down a system that made people scream every time they came through my space. Even the haunt security would be wary to walk through my trailer. At first, the room spooked me as I had to sit in it all alone. I could hear the dings and the calliope music muffled through the roof of the carnival, just outside the haunt, for anyone wanting entertainment, but not necessarily a scare. I remember sitting in my confined room of jars, listening to the screams from rooms ahead of me. It was almost like counting thunder. Light is faster than sound. It's why you see a lightning bolt before you hear the rumble of thunder. And that's how I figured out how people were close to my trailer. In a way, listening to them scream was like counting thunder. One night, the traffic of patrons was painfully slow. I would have seven whole minutes of boredom between anyone coming through. I remember sitting there, waiting for the next group to come, and stood up soon as I heard the shouts of a room three chambers ahead of mine. Listening for them around the corner, I poise myself ready. I hear them step in the corner. I jump out, just as they're about to turn, and the four men take a step back, looking at me. I begin to talk like the mad English experimentalist for research of new sideshows, and if they'd like to be part of the show. But I immediately stopped in reading this group's body language. Now I'll have you know, over the course of the season, I had discovered three natural groups who attend haunted houses. Group number one, the type to go have fun and shamelessly scream at everything that moves. Group number two, the type who act as though they've seen it all and they don't care and often make a joke of everything. Group number three, the aggressive type who outright threaten cast members. We can't do anything in these sort of threats unless patrons actually hit cast members. However, this group of guys didn't fit any of those descriptions. Something was terribly wrong with them, and I could feel it. Chills run down my spine as the tallest one decidedly walks up to me with something unsettling in his eyes. His three other buddies were all in their twenties, athletic-looking and at least six-two. I'm five-five, and without thinking, I cower back. I felt so small. Their body language was all wrong, loose and slow in the way he walked, but his shoulders carried rigidly as though he was ready to throw a punch or at least make a quick move. The four of them circle me in my chamber, trapping me, save for a small corner. The tallest one gets really close to my face. I now understand why he was acting so strange. He was completely drunk, and not in a funny way. I was suddenly fearful as these four drunk men circled me like a pack waiting for the first strike. Hey, he said, his breath wafting over me. You're pretty sexy. You've got that uh, bad girl librarian thing going. 
I took a step back in a small gap between his friends. Because the hall was no more than four feet wide, it was toward the exit of the room. How about it? He persisted, looking me over. I stayed in character, trying to brush off all the alarm bells going in my head. Oh, freaky things are done in this room, most with strong enough chemicals to melt the teeth out of your skulls. He somehow took that line for flirting. Freaky, huh? He gave a slow laugh that made me go cold. My heart was pounding now, wondering what I should do to usher these guys on for the rest of the haunt. They were zoning in on me way too aggressively. Surely you want to see the rest of the show, I gestured to the door. Perhaps you can give us a show. His buddy chuckled from the back. The close-up drunk guy traced his fingers over the lapel of my business jacket, smudged in dirt and fake blood. I felt a lead ball drop in my stomach. It was this moment I realized something truly horrible. If I scream bloody murder right here in this room, even if it was for the word help, as loudly as I wanted, no one would care. Not patrons in other rooms, not even cast members. We were all allowed to say whatever we wanted, and it frequently changed from night to night. It would be at least another seven to ten minutes before anyone walks through this room again. But so what? If these guys decide to offhandedly kidnap me and press me into a dark corner of the haunt, of which I knew there were dozens, patrons would walk through my chamber and not realize that an actor was supposed to be there. And security? They only did checks every half hour. I'm absolutely trapped. Hey, he said, leaning in so close I could barely breathe. The vapor of alcohol on his breath was strong. Come on, get a little closer. The man tugged on my jacket, wanting me to take it off. He then pushed me into the wall. His buddies chuckled to each other, nodding. I had images of his friends holding me down, even gagging my cries. They were drunk, and in an unnatural environment. I don't know what they were capable of, but I was very afraid I was about to be attacked. Shh, I don't bite, but maybe you do. I reached my arm as far as I could around the wall and pulled the ripcord for the bookcase. The shelf teetered forward and made a large bang per usual. Two of the men standing closest to it yelled an expletive in surprise. Knocking them out of this reverie of wanting to drunk rape me, they all collectively agreed to keep moving on, dismissing me as they walked past. I felt like crying and I was in so much shock that the next group who came through surprised me, and I was just standing there in the middle of the room like a dope. The shelf wasn't set, and I wasn't in a hiding place. I just looked at them, and they didn't say anything as they passed through. Every night after that, I decided to initiate a buddy system with the other cast members. If I was banging on the wall hard, it meant I was in big trouble since it's not part of my routine. Funny, how you'd think people are scared of the actors in haunted houses. But 
sometimes people all on their own are monsters. Drunk guy at the haunted house, you may have been too hungover to remember what you did. You may not even remember me, but I never want to see you again. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you enjoyed this as I release stories weekly here at Coppershock. Please feel free to submit any stories you may have. They may be based on true events or fictional. Both are welcomed. This recording is available on podcast and YouTube. Please check out any additional content on our Copper Shock Facebook page. Link in the description below. See you next week.